And welcome back to Power Hour, the Athletics Tuesday National College Football Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Nicole Auerbach. I am thrilled to be joined by my friend and colleague, Michael Felder from Stadium, to break down all the biggest storylines in college football this week in an hour or less. If you enjoy this podcast, you probably enjoy the other podcasts on this feed. So be sure to subscribe, rate, and review The Andy Staples Show and Friends five stars because much like Ari Wasserman's favorite prospects, we will make an immediate impact. Felder, Merry Christmas week. We are close enough. I know you've been in the holiday spirit and around family. Uh, wishing you a great holiday season. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited. I mean, this is I'll tell you what, my heart needed a refill and I'm I'm getting double doses right now. Listen, if, if this was last call, this is when this is the last call when they give you they pour you the double shot and then hand you a beer with with a beer with it to walk out the door. So I'm super excited. I see my mom for the first time in two years, I see my dad for the first time in a couple months. I've got to see my nieces and nephews for the first time in a while. I got to see um, my like my brother-in-law, my two brother-in-laws who I really care deeply about. We got to kick it and spend some time together, and it's just like old times. Like you're, you get back to it. You're, you know, you're you're razzing each other. Everybody's, you know, giving everybody's giving everybody crap about everything. So it was great. Played charades with my dad and his wife and and, and her daughter last night, and 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 my my wife and brother, and we created a new position in charades. It's called the game master, where I'm the game master. Okay. And because I'm not allowed to play charades. Did you get banned from it? Yeah, because I cheat a lot. And Which part? Like you say say stuff? No, I um, look at all the suggestions in the hat. And then I just can run through the list of suggestions. And yeah, I, depending on which one they pull, I can just, I, I'll get it. Mm. So, yeah, that's not fun. Not fun. For, uh, it's fun for, for me. Yeah, fun, it's fun for me because I win. But... But basically what they did was you're not allowed to play. So what you're going to do, instead of doing the, the suggestions, the, 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 the suggestions in the hat, mm-hmm. I, we, we played all movie charades and I was the person who picked the movie and literally was just giving people, giving people movies. We went from Annie Hall to, um, goodness gracious, Annie Hall to Captain America, Civil War. We got into... Jurassic World, not Jurassic Park. Everyone kept guessing Jurassic Park, but it was Jurassic World and got into they got really upset when I did say um, they no one wanted they my uh, was it my I think it was my brother might have been my dad's wife, but it was one of somebody's I suggested Remo Williams, the adventure begins and they were like, well, that's one don't know what movie that is Two, that's too long. So, yeah, I have no idea what that is. Also, this is pro- like this does sound like the perfect role for you because yeah. you like knowing all the information. Yes. Uh, but yes, you need some parameters, I think. Yeah. But I, I think that's a good I think that's a good addition to charades. I think that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Did question following up from last week. Did you get a mariachi band? Uh, I didn't stay long enough at the party for the mariachi. But what mm. I did, it felt like I was back on duty, though, because there was a DJ. The party had a DJ when I got there. So we had a DJ, but it was raining. So the DJ was under a tent. One of the ropes, one of the ties snapped. I had to hold up the tent so that the water didn't get on the DJ equipment. Then we set up a new thing. And then I was there for the band. I got to dance with my mom. I haven't danced with my mom since, goodness, 
haven't danced with my mom probably since the last time I was at a big party at my sister-in-law's house. So I haven't danced with my mom in a while. So it was nice to dance with her. She got to dance with my little kid. It was great. We're, we're a dancing family. We're a family of, I'm getting we like that. to dance. Yeah, yeah. We dance music, dancing. I didn't get to the mariachi part of the night because that's the last, that's the end of the night. And as a father, you have to go to bed. So what I did was when we left the party, we came back to my, my, my brother's house and in it, I ended up baking bread and baking rolls for Sunday. So yeah, that's what we got. I know we got to talk about some college football. So let's get into it. So let's get into it because you mentioned that you like five stars. You want us to be five stars and have an instant impact. I think something that's been remarkable has been the way that Texas A&M has been able to close in on people. And obviously we're what a week out a week, a week past signing day, but if you look at A&M, Alabama, Georgia, then you throw in Ohio State, te- Texas has been impressive. Uh, the biggest thing for me, and I don't know, if just as an, as an outside observer even, I know you don't do like a ton in the recruiting world, but I think the most interesting part for me was not that UNC finished in the top 10, it's that Notre Dame stayed in the top 10, right, with a coaching change. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I think that speaks to who is – who was the person elevating the recruiting, who is the head coach that all the players wanted to keep, who builds relationships with recruits really quickly and really in a a strong way. And that's Marcus Freeman. So I think that's really impressive because the whole point in when Brian Kelly left and he is saying out here, basically saying you can make the playoff, but you can't win a national championship at Notre Dame. Well, if you elevate the recruiting, that changes the ceiling, right? right? I mean, don't you think if, if they can get, you know, little, little, like these are in the margins, right? Making the playoff and winning games. Right. It's, it's, it's in the margins. Um, but I, I'm, I want to flip back to, you, you mentioned A&M super briefly and obviously, um, you know, they're, they, they've surpassed Alabama number one class mm-hmm. um, in, in 2022. Who are you most excited for on that, in that group? I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of talented players and obviously it's going to set expectations really high for Jimbo Fisher. And this is what people, what they brought him in to do, but like, who are you excited for in that class? Well, I mean, it's the the obvious ones are Walter Nolan and Denver Harris and Denver Harris was a big, like that's a huge get for them. A guy that can play on the edge and allows them to play a little more man to man. Uh, Connor Wigman is interesting. I find him to be a really interesting quarterback prospect because it's kind of like if you took, it's like if you took Kellen Mon and then what we saw out of Calzada and what we think we're going to get out of Haynes King, it's kind of if you jammed all those things together, you're going to get that out of Connor Wigman, which is really cool. I, I, personally, me, I'm really excited to see the um, Malik Silla kid. Is it Silla or Celia? Sia. Anyway, ML, I never heard her name pronounced. I just know I just know that I've watched his film and I like the way that he moves and the fact that even though he's listed as a DL, he has the ability to stand up and that he's 6'6". I love that about his game, S-Y-L-L-A. He's got this length to him that I find to be incredibly intriguing because what do you do with him? Do you size him up? Because if they size him up, he can be a hand down and maybe he's another Miles Garrett type player, right? That's hand down, go straight, long arm, make plays. But if you let him play at that size, if you let him play at 240, he's 230 right now, you let him play at 240, now we're looking at a guy that can stand up, hand down, stand up, hand down, depending on the situations. And now you have this puzzle piece, and I think it's going to be a tough puzzle to solve. Um, So I'm very excited about that. Obviously, the Johnsons, because we got Max Johnson and we got Jake Johnson, and getting that we've seen what they've done with Weidermeyer at the tight end spot. And adding to that tight end position, 
uh, or, or continuing that tight end's ability to be not just versatile but also dangerous is interesting. And then you throw in the fact that you're going to get Max Johnson uh, coming with him as a guy that's got a lot of SEC snaps under his belt. That's, intri- that's intriguing as well. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what this is. I mean, this is an A&M program that, you know, every year we talk ourselves up, we look at their schedule, we get all excited about it being the year. Obviously, they beat Alabama this year. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's not like they won the West, not like they got to an SEC champ game. So I think this is going to be fun. This is why you bring in Jimbo Fisher. Um, you know, when I did that, that piece we talked about last week about Saban and recruiting, I mean, there were some of these stories involved Jimbo at LSU and him and, and Saban and the way that they recruit together at that time. So I'm super intrigued by that. You mentioned North Carolina top 10 class, top in the ACC. Clemson is not the top class in the ACC. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, again, this is also something that's been building, right? I mean, Mac has been he, – he's a great communicator. He came back. He's, he started, you know, kind of impressing people, getting in on guys like Sam Howell and different players that people maybe didn't necessarily expect him to right out of the gate. But but now he's he's continuing to build. And now, what is it, number eight class, eight, yeah. eight ring class in, in 2022? Well – I think that I think that what's going on in the state above North Carolina is probably the biggest reason why they've been as successful this cycle. And if you have two coaching changes, two late hires, then they when they hired those coaches, they didn't hire those coaches until well after everybody else hired coaches, right? Brent Pry and was it Tony Elliott? Is that is it's like they hired them after they hired them late, and so. They don't hit the ground running. They don't have all that space. And so you get transition coupled with um, teams, people coupled with reality is nobody knows how – with uncertainty. Uncertainty is probably the best word to describe it. Couple, uncertainty at Virginia Tech, uncertainty at Virginia. You get that, and then you throw in the fact that it's not just Mac, it's Dre Bly. You throw in Dre Bly. Dre Bly is from the, the H2O, right? He's from the Tidewater. He's a guy – he got Virginia roots, and so when you get a guy with Virginia roots who wants to recruit Virginia, when UNC is good, they recruit Virginia. I mean, I don't think a lot of folks know that Lawrence Taylor's from Virginia. Dre Bly obviously is from Virginia. Um, I mean, you throw like you, Ron. I know that a lot of folks don't know who Ron C is. Ronald Curry, people don't know who he is. Everybody thinks about Michael Vick. Ron C was the guy that a lot of folks thought was better than Michael Vick, and that's scary. But he went to ended up going to UNC, and Mac Brown had a big hand in that. And so the, 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 the real interesting part, because Ron, Ron C. was the best player in football and in basketball when he came out of high school, and he's from Virginia. And so the big part there is, is because there's turmoil at these other universities, you get, you're able to reap the benefits. You look at UNC's class, and they've got, what do they got? They've got the number one, three, four, and five best players out of the state of Virginia. None of them are staying at home. And they're also not going to Alabama. And they also didn't go to, to Florida, and they also didn't go to Georgia. That's an interesting element here, so we'll see how it shakes out. I am plus I'm the key is gonna be living up to expectations. We saw UNC fall flat this year after starting as a top ten team. And we'll talk about top ten teams and where they are in bowl games and how that what that means to them a little bit later. But the reality for me is is even though they didn't have the season they wanted, they're a team that stayed their team off the field that stay committed to the cause and being committed to that cause is what allows you to sign a class like this. Yeah, I I agree. And also not have just like a total mass exodus. I mean, we've seen, you know, a lot of guys go to the portal and in a lot of different places and there's a lot of different reasons. Stigma is not really there the way that it used to be. Um, But you can tell a lot about just kind of how a season ends when it doesn't live up to expectations. 
Um, I, I mean, this was the, the main story coming out of this. It's obviously been discussed at nauseum. Um, but I am curious your reaction to Travis Hunter flipping from FSU to, to Jackson State. I mean, I was I was on Sirius XM with Tori Holt last week, you know, and he was, you know, just kind of talking about the impact of an HBCU getting a player like this. But also we were talking about that, like, it doesn't just happen if it's not Deion Sanders and that whole element to the puzzle as well. I mean, I don't think it's going to be like a massive trend, but you are going to have these opportunities, you know, for, for players who want to do something different. Maybe there is some NIL tied to it, whatever right. it might be. Like what, what was your reaction when, when it happened? I mean, it was one of those things that had been rumored, rumored, rumored. And then when it happens, you're seeing someone sign on the dotted line. That means it's for real. That's official. Okay, so it's official. We got this. Okay, great. That's fantastic. Now, the next step is, does he stay? Does he play? And how does it help them? I think the biggest difference between football and almost every other sport is one person doesn't matter that much. And... That's the hardest part about football is like if you get a good if you get a really good defensive back, guess what? They're gonna throw the ball to the other side. And so how that shakes out is gonna be pretty interesting. Obviously, uh, this past week, uh, Jackson State was out there on the field and you have to you still have to perform on the field. And so for him, he has got to perform on the field. It's not like the NFL doesn't find guys from HBCUs. It's not like the NFL doesn't find find guys from FCS football. It's not like the NFL doesn't find guys that want to compete. The NFL is gonna find you. If you're good, they'll find you because the NFL is about making money. So the, the big key here is going to be watching uh, uh, Hunter navigate this world, and he's probably going to have a he's going to have probably, look pretty good experience, right? It's probably going to be pretty good for him. The yeah. reality of it is is going to be ha, does that experience translate enough to somebody else, to another guy, to another four star, to another five star, to another three star, to a three star? Like especially because everybody's worried about these five stars and are the if a five star will more five stars go to HBCUs? But the big part for me is a lot less about a four or five star going to HBCUs and a lot more about this, the middle guys, the guys that are players 15 to 25 in most signing classes. Because you can stay closer to home. You can play for a coach who looks like you, a coach who understands what your day-to-day life is like. And you can get that by going to an HBCU, and, and that can help upgrade the quality of football, compete for a national championship, all those things. So, like, it becomes, the question becomes, not to me, the question is not go to Alabama or go to Jackson State or go to Florida State or go to Jackson State. The question to me becomes, do I want to be guy number 19 going to Wisconsin, going to Iowa, going to, going, like, going to, going to any of these places, going to Nebraska? Or do I want to be guy number one, even as a three-star, do I want to be guy number one? to go to North Carolina A&T or guy number guy number four that goes to South Carolina State or guy number guy number seven who ends up at FAMU. Do I want to be that guy? Because we're still going to play football and they're going to find me at the next level, but I'm not going to have to deal with it. And we've seen this a lot, right? We saw what happened at Iowa. We've seen these complications uh, over the course of, uh, what, two summers ago or what, what, what have you, where there's a lot of coaches that don't understand to deal, how to deal with race and they don't want to have to understand how to deal with race. And then you've got... A lot of coaches who are like, you know what? Race is part of my life too. I got to deal with it. And so that's, that to me is the more intriguing part because if that's the ripple effect that it has, that's the part where you have a real impact. Not one guy going somewhere. The real impact comes with guys going like, you know what? 
I'm I'm going to be a backup there. It's this. It's the same. It's it to me. It's it's very similar to uh, the way that Boise State, the way that App State, the way that those places recruit, where they're like, yes, you could go to UNC and be the number twenty-two guy in their signing class, or you can come here and be in our top ten, and we're going to treat you like a king, and we're going to make sure you get schooled up on football. And guess what? We win. We win. We win a bunch of games. It's not just about the name. It's about us winning football games. And I think that if that's an element that that this brings, I think that's a positive change for the sport. Yeah. And, you know, again, these are these are things that people are going to consider after, you know, the summer of 2020. We we talked a lot about how coaches were addressing you know, right. issues of race and inequality and different things. And the coaches that don't get it aren't going to like this is an era where athletes pay attention. They engage. They cons- they consume. They see what they see. How people act. They see what people say. They see if they match up, mm-hmm. and they make decisions this way. And and you know it's, these HBCUs have incredible history, alumni networks, all these things. So I'm with you. I think that would be a really fascinating development. And I think that element of this more so than just oh you know this is either you know how could this happen to Florida State and you know what does this mean for Deion Sanders is that potential impact of you know, convincing other people that you can still get noticed for the NFL because it is their job to find the best players exactly. wherever they are. So I, I think that's going to be pretty interesting to, to keep an eye on. I want to talk a, about a couple bowl games we're interested in, but also, you know, on Monday there was um, an interesting press release from the Pac-12 that I wanted to get your thoughts on. It, it basically is that the Pac-12 is creating – a uh what are they calling it a a football alumni council so it's a bunch of former players some coaches um but it's it's guys like zach ertz and um you know lincoln kennedy brock hoard how i can't say his keyword keyword why can't i say that i can't say certain (laughs) words um and you know toby gerhart and it's it's a bunch of it's a bunch of um guys from different programs in the pac-12 especially some of these guys where, you know, these Pac-12 teams were going to big bowl games and Mm -hmm. in the mix. And so some of this, I think, is kind of a, uh, like, kind of creating Pac-12 influencers because, like, I think it's part of, like, a marketing and PR wing to talk about the conference more because you you have – yeah, I mean, think about all the former SEC guys all over college football media. Like, they're constantly talking about the league. Um, but I think, you know, some of this is going to be, maybe there's input on scheduling or how to do this or how to, you know, enhance recruiting departments or where to, you know, kind of funnel some, some resources or support. Um, you, do you think it's going to make a difference? Do you think it matters? Here's the thing for me. I honestly, from reading the, from just from reading the press release, it seems like it's just to like promote Pac-12 football. And... I think that's well and good. And obviously, as you mentioned, we see whether it's Tebow or Marcus Spears or Booker McFarlane or any, we see them promoting, you know, the brand, right? If you will, it just means more and all yada, yada, yada. But I don't, I I guess the, the thing for me is unless they work in the space, I don't, I don't know where the, the, the huge benefit comes from in terms of promoting Pac-12 football. But on the flip side, and this is what I was thinking about, because this is what I thought it was before I read the presser. I was like, oh, it's a way to create a real network of guys helping guys in terms of like career and life and skills and all those things. 
And I was like, so me going in blind to that, I was like, this is very on brand. They care about the things outside of the football. And then I read it and I was like, oh, this is just about the football. It's trying I, to just be about the football, yes. I just, I wanted it to, Auerbach, I just wanted it to be like, I wanted it to be like, you know how every school has their alumni association and then you have like your GAA and then you have like, whether it's a sorority or fraternity or whatever, it's your football team or your team or it's just the athletic department. You have all these things kind of mixed in. And I was like, but what if you did do that network across a, an entire conference to help these guys like, whether it's guys that get to the NFL and then it doesn't work out for them or guys that are never make it to the NFL, but you know what? I play like, it's one thing for me. Like I'm on the UNC football list. I get the emails. My man, shout out Kevin Donnelly. I get those emails. I love those emails. I get all that. But imagine if it was just a full ACC thing where you, we got to talk to each other and meet and greet and do the whole deal. That to me would have even more value. And I think it would have, it would give legitimate organic excitement about something versus we're starting something to try to create influencers. I'll tell you what, if you want to use influencers to push your brand, don't hire someone who's 38. You know what I'm saying? Well, I think the idea of, you know, connecting people who are names for different programs together and to try to, again, create positive energy, like something like, I do think there is a benefit, even if this is not that much of a, you know, tangible thing. But I actually I love your idea as well. And I think that's something that all of these leagues should consider, especially as they have a you've had all this realignment. There's, you know, just a lot of schools involved. But also, I think people have a conference affiliation in a way that they probably didn't before the playoff era or right. know, prior to BCS. that. Where people now care. Yeah, people care about this stuff because there's there's a little bit of pride and conference supremacy and stuff. And so maybe there is something to that. But yeah, I mean, I think this is just about get, getting people talking about the Pac-12 in a positive right. way. And I, I don't think that's a bad idea. I do think that probably getting more input from some of the younger former players about scheduling and different things that recruits care about might be more valuable. But I don't know. I don't know how much they're going to do on this. I, I just think it's worth it's worth a shot for the Pac-12 uh, to to get, try to get people talking, they, they're still their biggest challenge is to get people watching and going yeah, to their schools. I, though, but I get it, I understand it, I get it. the The problem is, and I don't know if you've ever done this in your life, but like I talked myself before I even read it. I talked myself into something that I thought would be amazing, right? And then I was like, oh, it's it's this, right? <laughs> I mean, you this need is to, good. You need, to, you need to get somebody to do your idea. Yeah, I, I just, I just, I don't know. We talk about, and the Pac-12 for me feels like the right place for it to start because they talk so much about it's not just sports and it's not just this, and we're building, we're building leaders, the next leaders in the future. If so, I was like, yes, this is going to be great. And then I was like, oh, it's, it's a marketing team, mm. and that's, I, that's not what I wanted. <laughs> but it, I do think it's, a, but to be fair, I do think it is a good idea. And I will say this, and I will, I will, I have said this multiple times. You can pull the tweets; it doesn't matter. I stand the Pac-12 network. I think it is the best of the conference networks. I think it is, and I, I said this while I was talking to Roddy Jones, who does work for the ACC network. I was like, "Listen, the Pac-12 network is the best network. They get the job done. They're focused in." And I love the Pac-12 network. I wish more people could see the Pac-12 network. I wish more people would watch it. There's people that probably have it on their cable package and don't even know. And 
I love, but I love what they do. Shout out to my guy Max Brown. Shout out to Yogi Roth. I love those two dudes. They 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 work really hard. They do a really good job. Mike, yo, like these these guys all work. It the the work is good. It's just about people finding it, and if this helps more people find that, I'm all in for it. All right, let's talk about some games that we are not having trouble finding because there are not that many games left, and they all have their own windows, and it's kind of weird when there's, like, one game on and you can't switch it to another one. Um, Let's talk about some of these bowl games that are left on the schedule because now we're getting into the meat of it, and we're getting closer and closer to some of the more interesting ones. I think we're both probably high on our list is our friends at the Mayo Bowl, I would think. Uh, That one is going to be fun. North Carolina, South Carolina. You know, I so I tweeted this. It was already out there, but I was I was again, I was working on Sirius and we had an interview from Mac talking about, yeah, he would he would accept the Mayo bath. You know, they're raising money for charity, whatever. Yeah. People are so hype that both the coaches in this game have said that they would get dumped with Mayo. Yeah. Let's That's go. That's why I love college football. That is this is what our audience cares about. Getting dumped Listen, with mail, but that's I, I that's genuinely our, that's think our that's our guy Miller. That's my that's my guy Miller Yoho. So shout out to he's he's making it work. It's it's, I mean you couldn't ask for a better bowl matchup. You couldn't Agreed. ask for like from a ticket sales from a like just an excitement standpoint, uh, even from a storyline standpoint. You know I don't normally traffic in storylines, but it's like a UNC team that didn't achieve what they thought they were going to achieve, and then a, a, a South Carolina team that kind of overachieved and like. Mm-hmm but you don't want to lose to them. And there's a lot of crossover on both sides of guys from both states that play for each school. And, and then I don't, and folks don't, let me, which school do you think is further away? From Charlotte? From Charlotte. Um, well, because North Carolina, you'd think would be the closer one. I'm going to say they're further. UNC is farther away than South Carolina. Because South Carolina, you just get up and you ride straight up uh, 77. You're right there. Bang. You 77 literally will spit you out at the stadium. UNC, you got to go 40 to 85, 85 down. That's a two and a half hour drive versus like a, really a, between 75 and 90 minute drive from Columbia. But the point being, going to be packed. I think folks are going to be excited. It's going to be one of those things where, oh, man, and I – I don't know. I don't know who's in charge of the the per diem. I don't know who's in charge of the travel money. But rob them blind, baby. When we played in Charlotte, I I got three hundred dollars of travel money to go to my hometown on Christmas Day. There's a bunch of kids from Charlotte in this football game. There's a bunch of kids from Union County. Kids from. From, from Cumberland County, you got kids from Rock Hill, you got kids from Fort Mill, you got kids from Spartanburg. Rob them blind. Get those, get those coins, as much money as you can for travel. Do the travel from your school. Do, you, so basically, I don't know if you know this, but you, what you're supposed to do is, book, is do your travel from, with the exception of major bowl games, people usually travel individually to the bowl. So what you do is you book your travel from the furthest spot. I had a buddy that played with me at UNC. He's from Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. They booked his travel from Coeur d'Alene to, to Charlotte and back to Coeur d'Alene. And then they gave him a check to buy the ticket. And he put that check in the bank and he stayed in Chapel Hill over Christmas and just rode down with a friend. This is like when you would go to prom and you'd try to figure out who lived furthest from the venue. So you'd have the longest ride. Yeah. 
Same thing. Same energy. Yeah. yeah. All right. Give except, me. Give me. Give except me, with money. Except with money. Uh, give me. Give me. Give me another bowl you're excited about watching. Uh, UCLA and uh, NC State. Which one is that? That's the. Um, I am bad at remembering all the bowls. It's the it's the San Diego San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl. Is that right? Yes. Both. San Got Diego it. County Credit Union Holiday Bowl. Lot of lot of lot of nouns. But didn't it? But I thought that the San Diego County Credit Union Bowl used to be a different bowl than the Holiday Bowl. I don't know. The Cheez It Bowl moved too. So I, I don't. Think- so either way, I'm excited to see UCLA is a team that started out hot. They beat UCLA or beat LSU, obviously. Uh, NC State's a team that is. They're upset because they could have – they should be just like one, two games better than they are, and they just couldn't get over the hump. So this is an interesting one, and they're a, they're a ranked team. They want to finish ranked. I think this is a cool thing that's going to give them momentum. Devin Leary is coming back. It's going to give them momentum going forward. And for UCLA, it's like we came out of the gate hard, and everyone was like, yeah, hell yeah, dog. Chip Kelly doing his thing. Yeah, let's get it. And then it was like, oh, no, we lost some games. What are we going to do now? And then it was like, let's get back to it. And they win some more. So this is an interesting one for me. Uh, again, I, I like when I look at teams, I look at how good we've been. What does our season look like? What's the trajectory of our season? Is it up and down, up and down, up and down? Is it all the way up? Like, what's it look like? But that one for me is on the list. You got anyone? You got any you want to throw in there? Yeah. Yeah. Before we hop off this to, to get to our flavor of the week, uh, Clemson, Iowa State, I think yeah. Like heading into the year, these are teams we thought would be in the playoff conversation. Two, two top it, ten teams. Yeah, and, and and how about the fact that Clemson could have a ten win season? I know I, can't, I keep saying yeah. this down the stretch because I think people totally wrote them off mm-hmm. as having a disaster of a season, and they Dabo could still win ten games. He's also breaking in his new offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. He just lost his athletic director. He lost everybody. They're all finding their new their new roles. He elevates from within. That's a thing that he does. Sure. Um, but I, I'm just fascinated by this. I don't think a month ago, considering all the jobs that were open or about to come open, I don't know if we would have thought Matt Campbell would still be at Iowa State, but he is. We saw how emotional he is about this senior class. This is mm-hmm. their last game together. The ones who are not, you know, again, we don't know who's opting in or out or whatever this game yet yeah. fully. But I just think it's a really compelling game against, again, two programs that we had really high expectations for but, and have a lot of talent on the rosters, but the season didn't go the way that they wanted it to. Yeah, no, I, I, that's, I put that on my list as well. That's, that's high up there it's because they just – it didn't go the way they wanted it to. Still can – I mean, here's the thing. Think about Alabama in 2010, right? That's their bad – that's their bad I year. I know. This is a bad Clemson year, a bad quarter. Bad year. To get to win 10 games. And so many people have talked to me and so many people have been like, is their dynasty over? Is it their grip over the ACC done? And I was like, they had a bunch of injuries. They had a bad season. They couldn't figure out their offensive line. Do you, like, if it happens another year, then yeah, maybe they turn into Florida State. But I don't expect it to happen another year. And I know they have to replace Venables, which is obviously one of the biggest losses in all of college football. But this game's intriguing to me because – Iowa State is a team, like, this feels like the game that Clemson wants to play. Iowa State's a team that we know is going to, they kind of do this thing where they kind of, they, what, to, 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 who said, who, I'm trying to remember who said it. Guys at the, what, the full cast or splits on duo, splits on duo, I think. They they talk about playing with your food. And Iowa State kind of plays with their food through the first half of most of these football games. And then they lock in 
and they dial up and they just haven't been able to sometimes they're too far behind or too far back to 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 get W's essentially. And we saw that obviously on first in that first month with 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 yep. Iowa more than anything. And so it's but this is a it's a game both teams would like to play because guess what? Iowa State, you can play around. You can jerk around in the first half against Clemson because they're not really that threatening offensively. Right. They're not really that electric offensively. Your defense is good enough to help you limp into the second half when then you dial in with all those offensive adjustments and go make plays. And then on the other side of things, Iowa State's really not that inventive or creative or that explosive. So Clemson's like, we're going we're gonna to put our screws to the wall and play really good defense, and that's just what we're going to do, and that's what this game's going to look like. So this is going to be really interesting to see which team prevails, but I'm very excited to watch it. And by the way, this one is just a shout-out to my lovely wife, uh, Pitt versus Michigan State. She, obviously, my wife went to Michigan State. Can, She's super can, excited. Can she opt in? Can she play? The, the two-star <laughs> two players aren't in this one. Can she play? I know, listen, But here's the thing. This is the way that she's been spending it. We get to see what the other guys can do. Pretty good. We get to see what the other guys can do, right? That's pretty good. That's pretty good. So we got um, no, no K nine, no Kenny Pickett, but we get to see what these other guys can do. The Kenny and Kenneth gone. The Kens yeah. not allowed. Kens. No, I'm the, I'm bummed no Ken, about that. No Ken dolls for you, Barbie. I wanted both of them to play. I wanted fireworks, but you're right. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see what the what's. We'll see what else is is on these rosters. Let's do our, our flavor of the week segment. Yeah. This is what we're cooking, who we like on the field or who we like wherever. Um, and I'll go first because I finally had some time to actually get back to cooking. So I yeah. spent a couple hours on the New York Times cooking app. Uh, if anyone's got any good recipes on there, shoot them over because I love that app. Um, and I needed something. I wanted something really filling, warm. It's very cold here in Chicago. Something Did it snow? Uh, no, no, no snow. It's just, uh, just, you know, it's not even that windy. It's just like, it's cold. It's just got cold air. Okay. So I wanted something cozy on Friday night and I made the new, in the New York times app, I made this spinach artichoke baked pasta. Never had it before. Didn't even know you could do that. Didn't even know that there was a possibility of taking basically like spin dip and putting it with pasta. Mm-hmm. And it was even better than spin dip, which is quite a compliment and and this is this is how I feel about all of these quarterbacks who entered the portal and we're waiting to see where they land the Spencer Rattlers of the world the Keaton Slovis's of the world uh, Bo Nix who just who just landed at Oregon all yep. these places that I would not have expected I didn't even think about putting these two together but <laughs> I'm putting them together and seeing if it, it works. And it, maybe it is going to be a little bit more delicious than it was at the past stop. Maybe there's going to be something that clicks with the coordinator, something that clicks with, with the pieces around them. But I think that these quarterbacks are looking for their spinach artichoke baked pasta. They I are looking for that. They're going from the dip to the pasta. So I am excited to see that. Also, the recipe is delicious. What kind of, uh, what kind of artichokes do you use? You use fresh? No, can? fr- canned. Canned. Can? Okay, yeah. nice. And you just chop Arts. them up real yeah. easy, delicious. Nice. Uh, for mine, I'm going to go with, listen, we, we've already talked about it. We hit on a couple games we're super excited about. I think there's a pretty meaty bowl slate. Uh, clashes of style, clashes of, 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 of players, clashes of different conferences. So I'm, and I'm, listen, it's meaty. So I'm going steak, and I'm cooking steak for 14 tonight. 
how do you time it so that everything is warm when you make you, for that many So people? step one, reverse sear. If you sous vide, that's great, but I reverse sear my steaks. So those are going to go in the oven. Um, luckily, my sister-in-law, like myself, has a double oven. So I'm going to mm. get those in the reverse sear game. What else? we got Brussels sprouts with a little bit of bacon and some country ham. Oh, and by the way, oh, this could have been my fr- flavor of the week. But I got a bag sitting next to my suitcase to go inside of that suitcase when I pack. That's got four pounds of country ham. It's got two th- two thirty-two ounces of Duke's mayo, and it's got um. There's one more thing that's in it. That it's got some Palmetto stone gr- stone ground grits because I can't get those in Chicago, but I need them in my life. So, the big thing for me is I. Uh, but anyways, the big back on detail. So I'm a, I'm a reverse sear guy. I'll get the grill fired up. When the grill's fired up, I'm gonna throw those Brussels sprouts with the bacon in there. Brussels sprouts in a cast iron on the grill. Those will cook on the grill. I'm double frying fries. I'm about to get the fries in for their first fry. Then I'm gonna get them in the freezer. Then they'll go back into the fry. Then once we're done, I'll fire the fries. Oh, and I'm making lobster mac too. So we're gonna do lobster mac, that's easy. But I'll fire the fry. So what I'll do first is the, the Brussels sprouts will cook natural. Those are gonna come off the grill the regular. Then I'll fire, then I'll fire the steaks, get the steaks on. Once the steaks are on, then we're going to, then we'll make sure that the lobster mac is ready to be fired, fire the lobster mac. And then the last thing you do is get the fries in while the steak rests, get the fries in, get the fries out, little, little uh, vinegar, little salt and vinegar. We got the salt and vinegar fries with a little bit of shaved parm on the top of those bad boys. We got the Brussels sprouts and we got the lobster mac and cheese and we got all the steaks. I was going to cook it as a whole roast. It's like 14 pounds, but I'm going to cut it. And so we'll have four, 14 pounds, 14 divided by four is what? That's like three, three and, three and change, three and change. So we get three and change steaks. That way you can set them across the table. We'll be ready to rock and roll. Well, that sounds delicious. That does sound as meaty as the bowl schedule. Before we get out of here and you can go start cooking this feast, uh, let's do our last call. This is our segment where we rant or we rave. It's something we would be doing over drinks at closing time, wherever we are. Although maybe for Felder, it's not quite closing time because <laughs> oh, this I've is when the mariachi up. band is here. Let me tell you something. This week, I have you stayed went up. home before the mariachi band. Yes, that was that's that's an issue of being a father. That's not my. That's out of my. That's beyond my control. <laughs> but. I will tell you this. I stayed up until 5 o'clock on Friday night. Stayed up until 3 o'clock last night. We'll be up until probably 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock tonight again. We're going for it. All right. Okay. Fine. Fine. Then this is a late, <laughs> this is a late, a late last call. Um, but this is a rant. And, and you can feel free to add on to the rant. And we yes. can just rant back and forth. Because... This last call is dedicated to Urban Meyer, who is no longer the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. But what has been fascinating to me about the discourse surrounding all of this is every single person who paid close attention to his career in college football knew that this wasn't going to work, that it was not going to work in the NFL where he didn't have complete control over his players yeah. when the power dynamic wasn't the way that it is in college. And as we've now learned with a, you know, a number of embarrassing off field issues mm-hmm. where people don't, don't air your dirty laundry in college yeah. towns, they protect you. And it's just remarkable that someone tried <coughs> it. It is, it is remarkable that it lasted less than a year, but this type of behavior doesn't 
it doesn't have a place in college the way that college football is right now with player empowerment, yeah. with, the, with the shifting dynamics and NIL and transfer portals. But it obviously has no place in the NFL where the, where the star quarterback is a lot more important than the head coach. And I am just so happy for Trevor Lawrence that he gets a new coach. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I Listen, it's not like I was – I did radio on Friday. Uh, I got to do some ra- hometown radio. Classic Charlotte WFNZ. Shout out Kyle Bailey. And um, someone wrote in. They were like, you guys – sports media is so quick to tear a guy down. You don't know Urban Meyer. And I was like, hey, man, let me just tell you something, buddy. Been following this guy for basically f- since Utah. Not great. Not great. Not a great guy. Not, not a great dude. Anyone that's covered, like, there's a reason he's not showing up at a bunch of people's weddings. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, there, there's also a reason, like, a couple weeks ago, poked fun at this, but, like, he got asked if he wanted to go back to college, and I was like, well, someone would have to want him. Well, that's, like, that's that becomes, and not to get off on a tangent, but that does become my question. If is, he comes back to college football at some point. Who says no to him? Because it's not like he's going to stop picking up phone calls. It's not like his agent is going to stop making phone calls. So somebody's going to have to somebody's going to have to be on the phone and say no. And do you think that happens in the in this college football world? Do you think that well, do you think that college football as a whole will say no? But he only wants a couple jobs, right? He wants the best of the best jobs. Sure, in theory, right now those those places can get who they want. Yeah. But what like if he, they he, want? It was not a secret he was interested in USC, right? Right. They didn't want to hire him. They were coming well, off scandals. Well, that was the big thing is he got fired, what, a week and a half too late? To really test this theory out, sure. Sure. Yeah. But I don't know who would have bit that bullet this year. I mean, it would have been, this is someone who has every, basically everywhere they've left, they've left with scandals in their wake. Yes. Embarrassing issues. Someone, the, 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 the jokes that had obviously a lot of truth to them about Jacksonville was he didn't win. Usually he wins, and right. then all the bad stuff happens, and then he leaves. And he didn't have that winning piece. So I, I just don't know if you want to deal with that. Again, it, it's, it's hard to imagine in college football this day and age. It's changed since he left, where you just can't have that like top-down control. You can't just... You, he okay. The story about like not knowing his kicker's names, right, and not knowing any of the specialist sure. names, and never bothering to do that. Like you don't think that exists in the college sphere as well. Like of you course. just can't treat people this way right now. And I just don't know that people again. It would have to be the top five percent of jobs, right, for him to even want to do it. Well, and that's and that's that's the part that's been interesting to me because. Does he have to make himself humble? Does he have to show contrition? Does he have well, he to? Well, he never did that after he right. left Ohio State. Sure, he's never, he's never done so he's it. So he's general. not going to. Right, he's not going to do that. Right, and so does that mean if Nebraska opens up in a year, what does that mean for him? Does it, is that something he's like, nope, not good enough for me, not going to do it? And that's an interesting piece to this puzzle because on the other side is certainly there's going to be somebody, there's going to be some, and I'm only using Nebraska as a, as a, as a stand-in, right? As a job that we know that may come open in 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 due time. I'm using them as a stand You know what? Let's just, you know, screw it. I don't want to deal with Nebraska fans at all. I don't care. Let's say if Big State U, if Big State U, who's not as good as they probably think they should be, 
Big State U is like they're gonna have they're gonna have alumni. They're gonna have fans. They're like we should get Urban Meyer. And does the AD or the school president? Does somebody have the 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 the, the guts to go? We're not hiring him. The one encouraging piece. Well, <laughs> all these guys tend to like. <laughs> DJ Durkin's coaching in yep. the SEC. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, so you're right that people are, there are people willing to do this. I just think the backlash Who's, would be who severe. Who says no? Who says no? I think he's going to have to do TV. I don't think, I, I think, I think there's going to be big state use that would say no, that don't want to okay. invite this, that don't want to deal with it. But let's wrap the last call by just saying, we're happy for Trevor Lawrence and all the players on yes. the team that will get a real shot. Trevor will get a real shot as NFL career now, but also for everyone in college football, when you, when NFL, when you take one of ours and we tell you what it's going to happen, believe us because yeah. we know we have seen that everything that happened. Urban Meyer's track record suggested that this wasn't going to work. We didn't know it was going to be less than a year, but we knew it wasn't going to work. And, you know, I just, I mean, I, maybe we didn't know that Cliff Kingsbury would be as successful as he is in the NFL, sure. but when there's a track record, believe the people who've been there up close and personal, believe people who have written about what happened at Ohio state and Zach Smith and, and then dealt with the backlash and dealt with the way that that person handled it or didn't mm-hmm. want to handle it. Like believe, believe that. Cause that's going to, that's going to show go. you what happens when they get to the NFL. So that's our last call. Um, and just again, a plea to people making hiring decisions in the next year. Think about all of this. Think about what it's worth. Um, but yeah, that'll do it for this edition of Power Hour. Um, we will probably have a happier note next week because it will be the holiday season and we're going to do some actual playoff preview because we're getting closer and closer finally to those games and we will get into them next week, next Tuesday on Power Hour. If you are not already an athletic subscriber, you can sign up at theathletic.com slash Nicole for a very special annual deal. There'll be one true pod in this feed later this week. Max Olson, Jason Kersey, Sam Kahn, Andy Staples, and Ari Wasserman are up to their usual antics, but this week also raising money for a great cause. So be sure to check that out on their social feeds and please consider donating. Felder and I will be back next Tuesday for the next episode of Power Hour. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.